Okay, so hi everyone. We're super excited to have you join our special uh, Women in Wealth Management panel today. Um, we are really pleased um, to have you uh, on our panel today. We will be hosting several amazing executives and founders from the wealth management industry for an insightful discussion and financial guidance panel that will delve into meaningful diversity and inclusion topics in wealth management while hearing about the personal experience of our presenters when it comes to money management, valuation, and capital allocation. This impact-driven panel aligns with the GCC's mission of building the best possible future for equal opportunity is financial stability and a stronger and healthier economy for all. Each panelist today will be asked one personalized question and we will dedicate about five to 10 minutes in total for each of these Q&As, including a follow-up question from you, our special attendees and the other speakers. We encourage you to participate in this discussion and discussion and to ask any question you may have for our expert speakers. I am pleased to introduce you to our first speaker who is joining us from Miami, Jennifer Wines, who is the Vice President and Private Wealth Management Advisor at Fidelity Investments. Hi, Jen. Hi, Ash. Nice to be here and to see you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Such a pleasure to have you. Um, you've been working in the wealth management space since 2010 at some of the leading global investment firms, including Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and Fidelity Investments, where you currently serve as the VP of Private Wealth Management Advisory. Tell us more about how, in your view, the wealth management practices have changed over the past decade from a gender lens perspective. And please share with us about your latest fintech venture that you're currently incubating at the Fidelity Center for Applied Technology in their unique entrepreneurship program. Excellent. Thanks for the questions, both really powerful. And so I'll start with the first one, right? And I'm gonna answer it in, in two parts. And so the first question being, you know, um, how has wealth management changed through my experience and my lens through the past 10 years or so? And, um, you know, from an individual standpoint, I'll say I entered the wealth management world, um, obviously as a female, um, which is a male dominated uh, industry in 2010. And so, I entered um, private wealth management uh, via Goldman Sachs 2010 on the heels of the Great Recession. And so needless to say, I was so fortunate and so thankful to land the opportunity in their group um, post law school. And so given it's my first professional job, right? I'm like super excited. Um, and also just knowing that the labor market was a really tricky space. And this was like my golden opportunity to shine. And so I looked around and I'm trying to figure out like, what does success look like, you know, in this ecosystem? And so how can I um, excel? And so, you know, when I looked around to see what success 
was and how it was defined within my ecosystem, I saw that it was a lot of men, right, who were who were doing exceptionally well. And so I said, okay, you know, this guy's doing well, this, this guy's doing um, super, what are they doing that I could emulate, right, so that I could make sure that I was successful in my own right. And, you know, as you can imagine, you know, you see a lot of attributes as it relates to being like super competitive and dominant and goal oriented, which are wonderful and very productive attributes. Um, so I modeled them, right? I'm, I'm sitting here at Goldman, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be competitive, I'm gonna be dominant, super goal oriented. And what ultimately ended up happening is I ended up kind of like diluting and muting my feminine attributes, right, with time. And as the years kind of went on, I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. It's not authentic to me. So over the past decade, um, as I look back, I've really ebbed and flowed between the masculine and the feminine attributes, kind of finding my own personal algorithm of authenticity, if you will, and ultimately realized that within the wealth management industry specifically, I mean, there's so much power in unlocking feminine attributes within the wealth management space. So for example, with time, I became more comfortable and more confident with being collaborative, right? Being supportive and being relationship oriented, which are feminine you know, characteristics. And that's really been the key driver, I think, to my success in the past five, six years is really you know, being authentic to myself and embracing those attributes in a you know, historically male dominated industry. So that's kind of like the, the personal side of things. And then, you know, from an institutional side over the past 10 years, Goldman, JP, Fidelity, you know, what I've seen and what I've heard that is that there's been this trend um, to relationship-based practice, which I love to see. And I'd love to hear if anyone else is seeing this trend as well in the past few years. And um, so I think that that sits and operates really nicely in parallel to women becoming the new face of wealth, you know, going forward. And there is so much literature, so many statistics out there as it relates to women becoming the face of wealth, man, um, wealth and wealth management. And, um, you know, there's a McKinsey study and it says and explains, right, high level that the reason why there's going to be so many women stepping into wealth um, is twofold. So one, you have the, the male ba uh, baby boomers who are you know, passing on and leaving a substantial wealth to their um, surviving spouses. So you have this older generation capturing this wealth. Simultaneously, you have the younger generation who is so much more empowered, right, um, financially. They're so much more savvy. And so you have the younger generation and the older generation coming to the forefront and really creating this um, uh, powerhouse of wealth in the, in the hands of women. So folding into that within the wealth uh, management realm in relationship management, uh, I think double down on, on relationship oriented practices is, uh, is, is where the future is at. Oh, wow. Great. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. Um, are there any comments or questions for, uh, from our panelists or audience? I see Cecilia, um, you raised your hand, so I'm going to uh, let you speak. You mean Cecilia Oldman? Yes. Well, I, did, I didn't raise my hand, but uh, I think maybe it came, maybe it was, uh, it, it came 
anyhow, uh, I think um, it's um, it's very encouraging to to hear because uh, me myself and I see this in particular in in India uh, in terms of collaborations, in terms of being a woman in in wealth management. Uh, the percentage is probably lower than the U.S. and in Sweden, etc. So. Uh, would love to hear more and I would love to when uh, of course this would be recorded but if we could then share this with my um, with women in my network in India I'd love to do that because there are a lot of very very encouraging thoughts and inspiring words so I've just like uh, probably raised my hand more than like applauding my hands for the comments um. <laughs> okay thank you um, yeah I want to uh, comment on that um, Jen um, could you elaborate on like you said out uh, this is a very like male dominated environment um, and you discovered that you know instead of hiding your feminine feminine uh, attributes you actually should empower them so do you have any tips for you know the women out there or you know or all of their board meetings and and so you know people around them are men so how can they still be authentic uh, to themselves could be interesting to uh, get more of your uh, tips and wisdom yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and again, it's something that I've, I'm sure everyone here, right, we've all kind of um, dabbled in this space. And I think ultimately, like it's an inside job, right? So you need to turn inside first and really get clear on like who you are in order to be able to um, showcase that in, a, in an authentic way. And I think I've heard from so many people, so many men over the years, you should be this, you should be, you know, uh, more aggressive. And it's just not my personality. You know, it's, it does not work and it's not sustainable. And if we want to be fulfilled people, right. And, and attract what's really um, important and interface with clients that, that you develop strong relationships with, you have to be authentic. Like it's just any relationship, whether it's in work or personal, you have to be authentic. And I think sometimes we try to fit into this paradigm and this construct, right? Um, and again, especially like starting out at Goldman because I, I, this, this opportunity was so great. Goldman was fantastic. But again, the definition of success as I was looking around was very male oriented or, or masculine oriented. And so I, I'd say first things first, it's an inside job, you know, get clear on who you are, uh, takes time, that's for sure. And then figure out what your authentic algorithm is to you, right? So you have kind of this, this algorithm that you kind of run everything through and, um, you know, know that you can kind of calibrate that accordingly at given times, but ultimately you always revert back to that cornerstone of your algorithm. Oh, this is great, thank you. Actually, I um, have one more question, unless anyone wants to comment. Um, okay, um, so my question is since uh, with GCC, um, we focused uh, on, on female entrepreneurship and women who run their own businesses, um, um, it will be interesting uh, to hear your thoughts about um, what would you advise female founders uh, who, who, who for the most part get to, to pitch um, uh, men investors. Um, when, you know, as, as someone who is in money management and, you know, allocating capital, what, what would be your advice uh, to these uh, female founders mm. when speaking to men who obviously have different also like um, approaches uh, and, and uh, mindsets and, and knowledge, different type of knowledge as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I'd say two things. It, it's know your ask, know your audience, right? 
So know what your ask is, go in clear on that, and that's going to translate. Um, know your audience. I mean, that's that's in any situation, right? It, you always have to understand who your audience is and to be able to, to, and that's a relationship orientation, right? And to get personalized. So I'm gonna have a different conversation with you than I would have with Cindy, than I would have with Ruth, and then I would have with Elizabeth. And, and it's just knowing who your audience is um, and being cognizant that people come to the table with different uh, ways of communication. And if you wanna get something done, understanding that you can lean into that communication style and that's intuition which is feminine right even if they have a masculine way of communication you know so it's it's an always an elegant dance of how you partner these things to to ultimately get um to your goal so thank you so much this is really great uh, advice um, I'd like to introduce you now to our second speaker who is joining us from London, uh, Elizabeth Dana, who is the Senior Manager of Infinity Wealth and founder of Infinity Circle by Design. Elizabeth, over the past 16 years, you have practiced investment trade at big banks and family offices. Your work at this exclusive ultra wealthy boys club has inspired you to quote, uh, create a new digital hybrid model that will educate and open up wealth management to a younger and more aspirational client base by giving them access to a wide range of investment opportunities globally. I'm excited to learn more about your career and vast experience in uh, wealth management and uh, to have you share with us about your newly formed fintech startup, Infinity Circle, and how it is aiming to democratize wealth management solutions with its unique on-demand blockchain-powered platform. Thank, thank you, Ashmoret, for the, the nice and lengthy intro. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start by I think commenting on your question, building up on on Jen's comment, which I I totally relate to. Uh, you know I've I've been in in the financial services since 2000, and it is a very male dominated environment, um, which is quite an interesting environment. You know when there are 95 percent of men around you and you're a bit the the outsider or the you know, the maverick that everybody th thinks, you know, why is she there exactly? Uh, you know, and, and that's quite interesting. So I'm not gonna kind of comment on how that felt and how I coped with that. What, what I noticed uh, in my, my 16 years in big banks is that however I tried to, to get a diverse book of clients. So I was a banker, client, client facing there to bring assets to the bank or to the family office to give advice to clients. And I got my, my, I built my book of clients really from scratch and going out there, networking, meeting people, meeting friends, making new friends, meeting the friends of my friends, meeting the friends of my clients, you know, basically trying to meet everybody and, 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 and seduce them into, you know, the art of uh, investing, uh, which I always thought was fascinating, but of course not everybody reacts like that. And I remember, some uh, anecdotes where, you know, going out, partying and meeting, trying to meet these clients when I'm asked what I do and I say, you know, wealth management or money management, it, it's like it's immediately a, a party killer. Oh, money, you know, it must be really boring. And um, 
And in fact, you know, I, I always was out there trying to, to sign up a diverse book of clients. My approach was, you know, I'm going to spend so much time advising these people. One, I'd like to, I'd like to actually like these clients. Secondly, I like, I'd like a diverse bunch of people because it will be more interesting for me as a banker. Uh, and uh, and also I thought, you know, it's just more enriching if I have men and women as clients and different generations and, um, and, and, and you know, for a banker, that, that's kind of the dream kind of book of clients. And however hard I tried diversifying my, my, my book of clients, I can tell you that 95% of my clients, and I managed, you know, at the height of, of when my book was the biggest, a billion and a half dollars uh, in, for my, my book of clients, 95% of these were guys, I'm talking client guys, um, with uh, and uh, kind of of the same age bracket. So I'd say the young ones were in their early 40s, but most of them were between the age of 50 and 70. Uh, and, and so there wasn't, you know, although I was a woman and you could you could expect perhaps diversity to to attract diversity, even on a kind of commercial basis, I was still attracting mostly men. Uh, I know that I went specifically after women entrepreneurs who, who had liquidity events, you know, kind of young entrepreneurs or artists in the money. Or I, I tried to really look for women. And even sometimes when I managed to to get to convert these these prospective women as clients well then suddenly i was chucked a guy to deal with the husband or the other advisor or another principal of a of a, some kind of structure so it wasn't even the women that i was truly kind of dealing with which was a bit disappointing for me and and i guess um, having left uh, the, the big banks in 2016 and the multifamily offices and setting up a fintech with a, uh, creating and designing a digital proposition to try and have an inclusive element, an element of financial inclusion in the proposition, uh, I am really, the target is really to get that, that diversity in, in our users for the fintech. We, we're, you know, our target is younger, diverse more feminine and and you know what is it how are we actually going to kind of attract these clients that actually a lot of big banks despite things evolving are still struggling to attract i believe for well, that's my experience uh, this is great um Tell us more about, about your experience. Um, like you really wanted to, and I hear that a lot, that um, investors say, oh, I would like to invest in more female founders, but I, I don't really know many, or I hear, um, you know, um, women uh, founders who say, oh, most of my investors, most of my investors are men, but I would like to have more uh, female investors. So how, how do you, um, what types of pr uh, practical tips would you give to really like bridge that gap? It's a very uh, in interesting question also, Ashmoed, because uh, I think there's a huge amount of education and opening up the art of, of money management that needs to happen for, I think, a younger audience and a more feminine audience to recognize 
and to understand that this is also something for them. You know, that, that knowing how to manage your wealth, whether you're, you're starting to, to generate some wealth or whether you, you, you're inheriting a lot of wealth or whether you've just had a liquidity event, sold a business and you are, you know, uh, full of, uh, uh, you know, liquidity and wanting to do something with it. Uh, there still needs to be a step before where you understand that actually the knowledge, the technique and the advice is something that is going to be valuable for you. So with Infinity Circle, what we're doing is we're, it's, you know, we're building this digital marketplace, global marketplace for wealth management with the idea of going after aspirational wealth and more diverse users. But a big part of our effort is gonna be about ed educating uh, and, and I'm saying that because there, there are loads of medium today to, to educate uh, our uh, user base, but to really educate them on simple tips. And I think it comes with education to answer your question. First, you, you kind of educate, open up and kind of demonstrate, and then you pass on the knowledge and then you start uh, creating a community. And I think it's, it's with education that you, you, we will get more women at the table, you know, to go, to go back to your to your comment about you know uh, a very male-dominated environment, or or your investors looking to invest in women founders. Uh, but I, I recently, with with the Infinity Circle and the fintech, have found another aspect which is interesting: is we've got key roles now to hire for uh, for our fintech, and I I would like to see a number of candidates for each of these roles, and I'd like to make sure. Uh, that they're also women candidates and then look at the skills and, and make a selection and because I also want a diverse team because I think the, the, di the diversity in the team will hopefully attract the more diverse client base. Well, for every um, CV or, or I get for, for one woman, I, I get for that same position, perhaps, you know, 40 CVs of equally qualified guys. So, you know, that it, it, there is a lot to be done. It's not just the intention uh, of, uh, of, of gender equality. There's a lot, lot to be done even before that, which consists of education, access to, to opportunities, mindset. You know, it's a, it's a whole ecosystem of things that need to happen in my view. Yeah. Well said, um, and knowledge is indeed power. Um, and that kind of leads us to uh, our next speaker, which uh, actually started an education tech fintech startup, um, also understanding the importance uh, of that. So uh, we're going to hear more from Ruth about it. And I want to thank Elizabeth for this great uh, Thank notes. you. Thanks okay. um, So I now want to introduce you to our next speaker who is joining us from Zurich, Switzerland. Oh, so nice in Switzerland. Uh, Ruth is the former head of Credit Suisse and founder of Fintune. Um, Ruth, you have over 28 years of experience in banking, in which 25 years of them you spent in Credit Suisse, serving both as an executive and as a product developer of the first digital money box called uh, DigiPiggy for Credit Suisse 
with a big phenomenal success in Switzerland, uh, which also inspired you to form your next venture, Fintune, a fintech consumer product that helps kids to master money and become responsible savers. Uh, I wish uh, I had it when I was growing up. Bruce, <laughs> uh, please tell us more about how your uh, unique education tech and financial tech startup is aiming to teach the value of money and to enhance responsible financial behaviors. And more specifically, how do you believe your innovation could bridge the gender gap when it comes to wealth creation and perseverance? Uh, Super, fantastic, Ash. Thanks a lot for uh, this very kind uh, introduction. It's really a pleasure to be uh, amongst these uh, amazing ladies um, tonight. Yeah, so um, um, as you mentioned, um, actually, we really um, aim to financially educate children, children at the early age up to uh, preschoolers or school age up to the age of uh, even uh, 12 years. Um, and how we do that, of course, such a solution has to embrace the entire family, the parents and the children, and it must be very playful because children, they'll learn very good and uh, they really adopt habits um, if it's in a playful, in a fun way. And uh, also including uh, not only parents, but grandparents or even their friends. Um, the research has uh, revealed that uh, these uh, healthy habits or healthy and unhealthy habits get really shaped at an early age, amazingly early age um, of uh, four and six years when uh, children are not able uh, kind of even to read or are not yet at school. They inherit the good and the bad habits from, uh, from us parents. Um, when they see us uh, kind of um, buying some goods or impulsive uh, purchases as well. So um, there uh, we can really make an impact as parents or even in the banking industry, providing a solution um, for these uh, children. Because today, um, money is not only coins and bills, it is of course digital, but how to teach kids um, that the money on the bank account is not unlimited or within the ATM, I mean, you, you can uh, use your card, but um, it's only available as much as is on your, um, your account. So you have to um, kind of balance um, spendings and uh, savings. And that's difficult for parents to kind of teach that digital money in a digital world. Um, so therefore we um, invented um, a friendly companion um, for the children, and I do have it here because most of you probably haven't seen a digital piggy bank. So that's a device, and I mean, you probably remember your um, piggy bank, you had one. It still has a coin slot because um, cash is still around. So children put in the coin on the top, and you might see it likes to get fed with a uh, kind of these coins. Yum, yum, yum. Fantastic, the sound will uh, come as well. But that piggy bank actually is an IoT solution. So it is connected with the app, the first mobile banking app, if you want to um, call it, and with the bank account. So Fini is able to display whenever pocket money gets transferred to the bank account, it alerts the child and lets them know, hey, something happened there. So it's, um, it's really a playful way um, to kind of raise the awareness to save and store away um, the coins. But in the app, of course, there is also the availability that the uh, children can set up saving goals. 
so they can see how how much effort or how much time it needs to earn first pocket money or even do some chores or help mommy or dad at home to earn some extra money because then again it's all about transferring the val the own values and also the value of money I mean, because uh, children, they do have so many wishes and you have to explain them that they cannot have, or even if you are able to buy, you, you would like to learn them that they should wait for some um, probably wishes or, or even do some efforts um, to achieve their own saving goals. So here we find the solution. Um, the saving goals can also share with grandma and godparents and they can really learn how rewarding it is to save own money. And as you've seen, of course, the coloring um, appeals also to children, uh, to girls. And um, that's important because usually the boys are a bit, or in the former times, were a bit more interested, but we do have it as parents and even banking executives have it in our hands to kind of, of course, raise them equally or even support the girls and um, kind of to build up their financial knowledge at early, at early stage, raise interest um, in financial matters um, and prepare them actually for later stage with cryptocurrencies or even first investments um, to make them competent and give them the power because money and wealth, building up wealth or um, wealth perseverance is really kind of um, also power. And we should really empower um, uh, these children and we do have it in hands because it was very interesting when we uh, did the research, we even identified that in Switzerland there was a representative study that boys already got more pocket money than girls. Imagine, I mean, this really starts at early age. I almost couldn't believe it. And who actually allocates them the pocket money? Sometimes it's even the moms, they might have the bias to not treat them equal or allocate or kind of, let's say, um, allocate some chores at home. And um, even the more classic ones to the girl and probably um, mowing the lawn probably to the boy. But, we should really be careful to not apply these biases um, to our uh, next generation. Um, so it's really an exciting uh, solution that brings together the digital and the physical worlds of money at a very um, early stage um, of the learning, um, kind of learning experience or journey of children. Wow, that's so interesting and congrats. Such an amazing <laughs> entrepreneur with great products. Um, really excited for you. Um, I have a question, and please, um, also great uh, panelists, feel free to jump in, and um, our attendees um, with any follow follow on questions here. Uh, but Ruth, this is really interesting. How um, there is this bias, like how parents, the parents themselves. Um, have this preference to give more money to the boys versus the the girls. I mean, um, our uh, parents here in the audience. What what would you advise us? And I'm I'm soon to be a mom. My due date is May thirty first. So, what should I be aware of? What what are your tips for that? What's the question to the audience or to me? To you. So, yeah. What is your advice? So, actually, it is, you know, first is a kind of um, be conscious that that's where everything starts because observing your own kind of patterns um, is 
is the beginning, being reflective, uh, the own behaviors and uh, own attitudes. And, and then, of course, as soon as we are conscious, we can also steer um, kind of our, um, our actions um, accordingly. Um, so first of all, it's, it's all about um, kind of raising equally uh, in also in this kind of little area of, uh, of pocket money, also kind of taking the girl, um, uh, the daughter um, to the side and explain some, I mean, if, if they come across um, some first uh, kind of bit, bit, uh, Bitcoins or cryptocurrencies, it's not a, a technical only boys topic. Uh, it's, it's really among, uh, in our hands actually to raise interest, to explain it, what this is Satoshi and, and how that uh, all works together. So. That's uh, that's one thing. So uh, being aware, being conscious, um, and also as I mentioned it already with uh, kind of assigning chores. I mean, uh, I even see it with my friends having uh, children um, with, with the girls. I mean, they, they have the tendency to allocate some uh, chores in the kitchen or folding uh, kind of clothes uh, to the wardrobe more to the girls than to the boys. But why? I mean, actually, I'm very happy that my husband helps at home as well with uh, kind of the daily chores and, and and we should really kind of be careful to to raise them equally and also demand from our boys. I do have two sons uh, to help me to help me also with these uh, daily topics. Thank you so, so much. It starts in a small, small area. Yeah, thank you. Jen and Elizabeth, I have a question. Do you see your uh, banks uh, or firms um, implementing this type of, of technology or product for your customers? Uh, interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh, briefly, I mean, not in terms of technology, I'd say that um, in terms of relational skill set, just making sure that we're really getting our hands around the whole family and understanding, you know, the fears and the wishes of the family uh, members and, and all the dynamics that are at play. And um, the more conversations we can have with G2s, G3s, um, so second generation, third generation, yeah. the better. Yeah, that was also kind of the, the reason why we why I implemented that strategy for Credit Suisse. Um, in, that was in the retail segment, but of course, also in the ultra high networks, they're doing a lot to kind of capture the entire uh, family with the, the next generations. But here it's, it's all about kind of embracing the families and even grandma, because it might be that the wealth is at the grandparents' level. And I mean, they were able to buy it or get it for their grandchildren. And then you embrace them all. I mean, it, it's really powerful. Um, because of course, the um, uh, kind of children, the youngest one are not probably the most profitable ones, but their relatives are. And if you kind of are able to, to kind of cover also this kind of corporate responsibility to be the partner, not only once they're wealthy or um, let's say um, adults, but also in these early um, ages, you, you really been bind or build up this um, also binding to the, to the brand. It, it, it's all about proximity, being close to the clients, and uh, building up these uh, relation, long-term relationships. Yeah. Because I, I'm pretty sure you all must remember. Absolutely, and I would actually it. add that. The, yeah. I, I was gonna say, Ruth, I, I would also add that, you know, there's proven studies that uh, uh, better financial literacy actually translates in, in more wealth creation. So yeah. this is definitely, you know, I was talking about the importance of education and it is a family affair because for, for, for a lot of people, money is still a family affair. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. think getting that education, you know, 
I don't. I have a son who's twenty, and mm -hmm. uh, nowhere in his studies did he before university did he hear about came across any lectures lectures about financial matters about because money, it's usually money, missing money in the tv and, and what's yeah. that and why does one try not to yeah. get into that and how yeah. how do you yeah. use that for your you know for your advantage as part of structuring and not you know kind yeah. of yeah and and it's true actually that all that knowledge starts super young i agree yeah, yeah. Thank you. So it's really an opportunity. Generation Alpha, Generation Z, which gets kind of embraced with uh, kind of the parents and grandparents all together. Yeah. Thank you. This is such a productive and insightful discussion. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay. Um, last but not least, I am pleased to introduce you to our fourth and final speaker who is joining us from Miami as well, uh, Cindy Mialova, Director of Valora Partners and Managing Partner at Legal Partners. Cindy, you have spent the past decade building quantitative models for family offices and private equity funds. You're currently leading the investment valuation department of Valora Partners and you're serving as the managing partner of Legal Partners, um, a co-investment platform with over 600 investors and a combined net worth of $46 billion. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Uh, in the context of diversity and ESG investing, could you please tell us how, in your opinion, social impact investing would drive higher returns to your investors and how in your view has the pandemic affected the investor and consumer demand for more socially impactful goods and services? Um, you're uh, at mute first off. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah, perfect. Okay, perfect. Okay, so I'm having both my phone and uh, my, my Zoom, so I hope it's going to work. Great. <laughs> so Ash, thank you so much for having me today. Um, this, is, uh, this has been a great panel uh, meeting, very interesting women here, very powerful. So very glad and honored to be, to be part of it. So uh, let me answer your questions uh, first. So, and I'll start from the second one. So I think the, the outbreak has really provided a, a major turning point for uh, ESG investing in general. Uh, and it's not just pure ESG investing. I think that just corporations in general are just really shifting away from you know, traditional short-term goals for shareholders, more into looking into, okay, now we have to look at the long-term impacts for you know, environment, for uh, workers for any of that, right? So it, it's almost like it's it's the perfect conditions have been met for this to happen and for ESG to to to, to thrive, basically. And that's really not just my opinion. It's across the board what I'm seeing with with my investors and and the families that I work with. So I, I really don't think a lot of people are saying, well, it's just a market phenomenon. It's just Wall Street being fancy. Uh, they just want, you know, the next big trend to boom and to, to find a reason to, to, to raise capital uh, in the name of ESG. But I, I really disagree. I really think that uh, mindsets are, are shifting. Um, and when I say ESG, impact investing, I'm really including everything, right? Environment, 
women, minorities. I think it's all coming together and it's a very powerful moment um, you know, in, in history. Um, so at LIGO Partners, so this is the multifamily office platform uh, that you had mentioned. We have done quite a bit of, of ESG investing. Um, we have done you know, a clean tech deal, very interesting deal. Uh, we have uh, invested uh, last month uh, in a female founder, uh, uh, an African-American founder as well. So we, we're trying to be more and more exposed um, to it. And the reason is twofold. One is, um, you know, LIGO Partners is, uh, I'm a co-founder, so it's me as a woman. So it's 50% led by a woman, which is me, and my co-founder, uh, which is a, a white male. Uh, and, you know, we really believe that we need to allocate more and more resources just for that one reason alone, right? And the second reason is it has proven uh, ESG, just funds in general, have outperformed the market, especially last year. And I was looking at statistics in the first quarter of 2021, uh, there's been the, the largest amount of capital invested into ESG funds, which is insane in the world, right? It has never happened before. So it really proves kind of what, what I'm trying to convey here. Um, so now the second question is, uh, how can uh, social impact uh, investing drive higher returns for my investors? Um, as I mentioned, right, so it includes minority-led uh, leaders, uh, hence the word, you know, social, that, that I like a lot, right, and social impact. Uh, so traditionally, I'm not teaching you ladies anything. Uh, most of the investments were made into male, uh, white males, you know, that have consistently delivered uh, above uh, market returns. Uh, but now it's shifting to more, you know, let's look at what other people are thinking. When I say other people is what are, how are women thinking? How are minority leading, leading and thinking? Um, what is the impact of the culture, right? If you come from, you know, let's say India, right? You've seen different things that we have seen and you have a different mindset, a different way of investing, a different way of asking different questions, um, you know, a different type of critical thinking. So, all of that, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's just great and, and just thinking differently and doing things like non-traditionally separates you from other people and that alone makes you more interesting, right? So I would say, you know, your, your main question is how can it really drive higher returns is simply because you are betting on a person. You're not betting on the product, right? And that's, that's where I think the alpha comes into play. Um, and I would like to tie this all to my, to my personal experience as a woman. Uh, because I think it's important. So uh, Ruth, by the way, um, I was born and raised in Switzerland myself. <laughs> so, but in the French part, um, Lausanne and Geneva. Uh, I moved to New York when I was in my early 20s. A uh, very hard kind of moment because it was uh, October, October 2008. So I, people are often very like laughing about me, like I brought the recession. I promise I didn't. <laughs> uh, so I really had to you know, start on Wall Street with nothing. Um, Really, most of it was me being self-taught. Uh, people didn't have time for me to say, hey, here's a book, ask us any question. It was very hard and it was, you know, investment banking at the time was 98% of male, right? So it was me and there were other secretaries that were women and they always asked me, hey, can you bring me a coffee? And I'm like, well, no, actually I'm an analyst here. You know, they're like, oh really? I'm like, yeah. So that kind of almost shocked me. And I thought it was, you know, just the culture in America that was like this. And, and you know, I never, thought about it as being a bad thing. I always thought about it as being a strength. Like, hey, I'm a little bit of a spy here. I can play just a woman card and get a lot of information out of, out of this man. 
um, without, you know, not just like inside, insider, you know, I'm not doing insider training, but I'm just saying, just, just try to kind of go about it in a different way and learn from them without being a threat. Um, and they will never see me as a threat, which again is my, my biggest strength. I was never a threat to any man until I became a threat and that was kind of like out of nowhere, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I started just, you know, being close to family offices, um, you know, becoming an advisor as Ash was mentioning, I, I started building quantitative models and I was always away from, uh, from investor relations. I never wanted to be um, considered as a woman that's going out there to lure men in so that they can spend money. I was always trying to stay closer to the quant side so that people look at me and say, well, she's not dumb, right? She actually knows what she's talking about. Um, and that led me then to start a position at PwC uh, in the private equity specialist group. So there are my clients for Goldman Sachs, Bain Prudential, uh, and other VC funds. Again, it was two women there, <laughs> me and another woman, which was my manager at the time, uh, and 67 men. The partners, 12 partners, 11 men, one woman. And the woman, I never heard from her at all, never. And she was never even on conference calls. It was just very much like uh, a male-dominated uh, environment. Um, you know, a lot of them were coming from these frat schools. So it was very much about, hey, look, you're a woman. You can just talk all you want. And, uh, you know, you just really have to double, uh, double the work, right? So I was always trying to get all these 100 hours. I was trying to be the, the most hardworking woman there could be to always prove myself. But again, I, I just figured this is not how it's supposed to be. I think women should be more empowered. And a lot comes, I think, from Elizabeth, you, was me you were mentioning the education, the mindset that is very deeply rooted in certain men that women cannot be on their level. And I think, again, it's a strength for us because once we demonstrate we can do just as good, if not better, uh, we are, as, as a community of women or minority, becoming so strong and unique. And, and I think today, again, bringing this all back to today, is people actually are throwing money at just, oh, you are a woman, you have a business, let me help you. Right, it's our time to shine right now, and I think we should all really take advantage of it, from an educational standpoint, from an exposure standpoint, uh, and you know, I think I think we will do all great things, and we already have, as I witnessed it today on the panel. It's been again great to hear your story, ladies, and um, I relate to it a lot. So thank you again, Ash, and those will be my closing words for today. Unless you have any questions, of course. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Wow. This is great. Um, yeah, you mentioned that women need to prove themselves more um, so they end up working harder. And I think that's maybe one of the causes why they also outperform based on research. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing that we <laughs> leads us to be more mot motivated uh, to prove ourselves. Um, so um, actually, I do have uh, a last question. Uh, uh, we have, as you as you know, the demo day coming up uh, in like about 12 minutes, uh, which I also shared with you uh, the Zoom link to join us in case you, you can where we'll be hearing uh, some of, of our great female founders um, presenting their investment opportunities. Um, but I want to ask you, Cindy, um, how can women take a more proactive role when it comes to uh, capital allocation to actually not just marry the rich guy who then makes all the decision about the money, 
uh, but actually to be involved um, and, and, and be more like uh, decision makers when it comes to, you know, where you will be investing uh, your money um, and also more specifically, um, you know, uh, when you work with um, these like high net worth and family offices, which like usually families uh, decision it would be nice to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah, so, so if I understand your question correctly, is how to position yourself in a, in a position of power, right? As a woman in, in, this, in, in this industry, right? So I think a lot has to do with, uh, with performance, right? But then how do you actually do it if you don't have any track record? Uh, it's the same thing as when you, when you uh, finish college, everybody's asking you, well, but what kind of experience do you have? And it's like, well, I don't. If you don't give me my first job, I won't have any, right? So uh, I think a lot has to do with, um, again, the advantage that we have as women is it's very easy to get you know, a phone call with a man. Men prefer talking to women on the phone all day long versus talking to a male counterpart. It's just, a, 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 um, somebody told me one day, it's like, like a sunshine in my day when I talk to you, right? And it's not even because it's me, it's just I'm, I'm a nice voice or a different voice than what he hears all day long, right? Guys just talking to each other, right? So I think that is a great way to build connections, uh, to use that, that women card. Uh, but again, to make it very clear, and again, I'm not telling you anything new here, but just to make sure there are boundaries, that this is really for me to looking for a male mentor or somebody that will help me get to the next level. Uh, you know, just, and, and you can have not just one, you can have 10 of them, because again, you're a woman, you can really use that card. So I think that, you know, you can learn a lot from men in, in that sense, or even, even other women. So this is another avenue, if you're not comfortable with men, uh, People like myself, I'm always happy to mentor uh, younger or even older women, um, tell them kind of like what I've been through and, and be, a, be an ear, right? Because sometimes you want to talk to someone that really understands you. And that makes you stronger because you feel like it's okay. Like I'm, somebody else that is successful has been going through the same. Um, and now that, you know, it's my turn, I can, I can do this or, or even, even better than this person, right? So that's, that's, I would say, like kind of like when to start and then how to continue is a lot of networking. It's a lot of panels. Uh, it's a lot of just, um, you know, having connections, not just locally, but like internationally, again, different cultures, um, meeting people in person. I mean, of course, last year was very hard, uh, but it's really at the end of the day all about relationships. And, you know, just forgetting for a minute that you are a woman in that sense, right? Like when, once you have those relationships, it doesn't matter anymore. You're just as good as anyone else, if not even better.